0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Calling Vision, where we explore and honor the idea that your vision has selected you and is inviting you to bring it into form. When you choose to align and partner with that vision, you can change the world. This is Bibi Harding, your host, and today I have as my guest Tyler Angel. Good morning, Tyler.
1: Hi, Bibi. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. And yourself?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So I have with me today what I consider an inspiring young man who is currently a full-time college student. And I met Tyler on the Groundswell, phone co- I mean, um, Groundswell group. And actually, that's a call that's hosted by his father, Chris Angel. Um, he's essentially interviewed the people on the call, me being Tyler, about what they did and then allowed us to ask him questions. Tyler and I had an in-depth conversation shortly after that, where, among other things, we got to satisfy our curiosity about differences between the baby boomers and Gen Zers. Tyler is studying gender, women's, and sexuality studies with plans in minor in Africana studies and psychology. He has aspirations to work in therapy and counseling, perhaps a youth counselor or an LGBTQIA plus counselor or even a social worker working with foster youth or the homeless population. So welcome again, Tyler.
1: Thank you, Bibi. It was a beautiful introduction.
0: Thank you. So this is a show that's about your vision or purpose calling you. I Mm. thought I'd start with the question of what is it that you'd like to share about what you consider your purpose?
1: Mm. That is a great question. I was uh I was journaling about this last night with the questions that you sent me. And um I think my purpose right now is very broad. Um because I'm still in that stage of figuring out who I am and what I want to do, but um I also don't think my purpose is tied to a career. So I'll I'll give it a shot. I think I think my purpose is to Teach others empathy and spread hope. I think those are my two big words right now would be empathy and hope.
0: Hmm. Do you have any particular events that have happened in your life that have moved you in this direction?
1: Um yeah, I would say so. Um sort of a um uh, sort of a period of time. Um being a gender, women's, and sexuality studies major, um, I'm learning a lot about um, all of the systems and norms that construct our lives, um, and kind of what's problematic about a lot of them. And um, and in my studies, I've had to confront a lot of hard ideas. Um, I feel my I feel my studies um, in that department have growing my empathy a lot because I mean thanks to the the comfort of my childhood and like my my own privilege with um with how the world sees me, I I haven't experienced a lot of that hurt. And so I think my empathy has really expanded a lot in gender, women's, and sexuality studies. And then also um there have been times where I'm taking in so much sad information about the world that it has been at times really hard for me to remain helpful. Um, but like hope is like the most important thing that we can hold on to. And, and how are we supposed to move forward if we don't have hope, you know? Um, like it would be so easy to just give up and, and that's not what I want to do. I want to push forward and, and I want to leave this planet a better place than when I found it. And, um, so my, my studies in gender, women's and sexuality studies have both grown my empathy exponentially and um, made me realize how important it is to hold on to hope and to appreciate the little things in your life and um, look for the good in your life when there is plenty of bad to look at as well.
0: Oh, thank you for saying that. Because um, sure. I know these days there's a lot of people who don't think there's a lot of good in the world. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice to, to hold that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm curious. You know how, which came first your your attraction to the gender studies or the fact that you know, as you put it, there was so much hurt that it in you know kind of brought up your empathy for this. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, like feeling that empathy and yeah. the hope and what have you did that impact the, the um major that you selected or did the major select you know mm-hmm. lead the empathy
1: yeah that's a great question uh i would say um i would say it was uh, de- uh the empathy definitely came first for me i like before i started my um in gender studies i had taken a couple africana studies classes and i had started trying to educate myself about like just the world that I'm living in, I'd say in I'd say in junior year of high school. um. So like for two or three years, I've been like trying to expand my knowledge and like understand what other people are going through. um. So I would say that this empathy has been something that's been growing in me for a long time. And gender is something that I've just always been fascinated by. So I I took a an intro course on a whim. And then I found that gender studies was like encompassing everything that I wanted to talk about and learn about.
0: If you were to, um, I don't know, do you feel that your message to the world besides empathy and hope providing that, do you feel that you've got a message around the gender identity that you wanna um, hmm. take out into the world?
1: Hmm. Yeah, let me, let me ponder on that for a second. I think um I think I think my message regarding gender and sexuality would be be who unapologetically who you are. Um and don't let others define you. You are an incredible person. You're beautiful, you're amazing. Um and anybody who doesn't see that or hates you for that or hates you for being quote unquote different um, is missing out. Everybody's different. There's no such thing as normal. And um, everybody deserves to celebrate themselves and feel celebrated.
0: It's interesting comment that there's no such thing as normal. (laughs) When you say say that, um, how would you define normal? Or what do you think people perceive normal means?
1: Mm. I think people perceive normal as what those in power have prescribed as normal. And I don't think that, and, and I don't think that matches up with a lot, with, it doesn't match up with a lot of people's identities. Um, we, there's, uh, in, in gender studies, we talk about um, the um, the idea of the mythical norm, um, and the mythical norm is this like, is this belief that, um that some condition or identity is normal when really it's not, and most people or lots of people don't experience that. like, like there's the idea and you see the mythical norm present in like our media all the time. like they there's the mythical norm of whiteness and hetero heterosexuality and um being cisgender and uh, being middle class. like all of these things are, um, prescribed to be normal oh, uh, being being able-bodied and, and what does able-bodied even mean um, like able to do what and being young and all these things are, are what have been prescribed to us as normal and we often feel wrong for uh, when we don't fit into those boxes and society often tells us we're wrong um, when we don't fit into those boxes um, but um, something that's interesting, oh, oh, even going um back to something that we've talked about in the past, um, being uh having like one sex or the other, like there's also the intersex variation of which is like a whole plethora of variations on your sex. Um, yeah, it's very much, it's very much defined by those in power and um, and I think that's shifting but it's very much on individuals to accept themselves and accept others um kind of an, i would i would say probably in spite of what that norm is defined as
0: really like you know the term that you use be unapologetically yourself and for mm-hmm. me when i hear that i hear it beyond how mm-hmm. you identify yourself sexually yeah um you know i mean it's such a true statement be unapologetically who you are in your difference
1: yeah. and
0: the the inner power that you might have
1: mm-hmm. in
0: order to impact the world yeah <clears throat> yeah so speaking of impacting the world let's let's presume that you know you're living your your mission your purpose out there mm. how would you feel that you know in gendering empathy and um hope out there in the world, how would you see that as impacting the world?
1: Mm. I think, I think empathy is very important to having conversations with people. Um, and, and I feel like, I feel like in the moment that we're in, it can be really frustrating because sometimes it feels like it's not, we're not able to disagree with anybody. Um, and still, like, appreciate who they are as a human. Like, if you disagree with me, then I absolutely hate you, and you're a terrible person, you know? And I, I and I'm even guilty of this, so it's still something that I have to work on. But, um, but humans are not just defined by their beliefs. They're defined by their actions and their interests, and people are so much more than just what they believe, especially politically, which is so starkly... Uh, divided people um so i think so i think empathy um is super important and that encompasses like being able to ask the questions to figure out where people are coming from and having the patience to listen to people you disagree with and um and even being able to like agree to disagree um yeah so i think i think um, the I think the so I think the impact of empathy then would be bringing people together and um and working together to make this world um look like how we want it to look and and work how we want it to work because I think there's a lot of because I think the um the people in power, whether that be corporations or whatever you feel is, Against us right now, they they are very strategic about trying to divide us. Um, when really we have a lot more in common than we um, than we have different. So I th- so I think that would be great for bringing us together and making a world that works better for everybody.
0: So what I'm hearing here, Tony, is that it's kind of like if we could sit down in the room with all of our differences. Mm-hmm. and begin to know each other yeah. that we would begin to um, notice the commonalities as opposed to being totally focused on the differences yeah is am i putting words in your mouth or is that pretty much what you're saying
1: yeah no that sounds that sounds exactly right yeah
0: yeah that, that's my experience too and i i know that i have to overcome my fear of uh, somebody being radically different and, you know, will I find some commonality mm-hmm. that has to be addressed before I could even sit down and have a meaningful conversation with somebody that yeah. I see as being radically different than myself? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, so I figure I have to overcome that before I can quote, get real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, do you have experiences like that, too?
1: Yeah, I would. Um, I would agree that there is also some fear for me there too. I, I'm, I'm definitely like afraid of like holding people accountable and confronting people. Um, oh, and definitely. it's something that I've been working on quite a bit, but um, is still definitely present for me. Um, I and I think, and I and I feel like that fear comes from a fear of maybe being rejected, or a fear of being wrong i'm a very large perfectionist which is another thing i'm working (laughs) on (laughs) but i i like to think that i'm perfect and if somebody challenges me in a way that makes me makes me rethink that um where i wasn't i wasn't looking to rethink i mean that also scares me and um and so i and so i recognize that like i definitely have to overcome those fears in order to in order to have those conversations um i I have
0: just go ahead
1: Oh, um, I have had, um, one, um, one conversation where I, um, where I was sort of able to talk to somebody who I disagreed with, and that was kind of cool. Um, in my English 201 class last quarter at Eastern, um, we, uh, were giving presentations at the end of the quarter, um, uh, based on the research papers that we did and like the arguments that we had to make, and there was one guy in my class who the whole quarter I could tell that we disagreed on. We would we would disagree politically. Like he, there were just things he would say where I was like, I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm not gonna judge you too much right now. But okay, okay, <laughs> I was like scoping him out, like a little nervous, you know. <laughs> and then uh, at the end of the quarter, he he um he presents on. Uh, he, he presents a view that I disagreed with on transgender people participating in sports. And um and I voiced why I disagreed with him in the class um as he was presenting and and I challenged him and asked him some questions and um and then I was surprised with how calmly he answered me and um a- and that he like kept his cool and was able to like actually like have a back and forth with me um and sure like I didn't I wouldn't say I like quote-unquote won uh but the the argument but like I feel like we were able to have a dialogue and that was kind of new for me um so after after that class I caught up to him and I caught up to him and I said um hey thank you for having a dialogue with me I know like I I know I kind of put you on the spot and I really respect how you held your ground and um and he said to me i I appreciate you um having the balls to talk to me about it um not a lot of people do that and um then we we once we got past that point we were able to talk about like bond over skiing and how we had that in common and um i got to ask him about his winter break and and i don't i wouldn't say i made a friendship but i would say i understood him more and like sort of found something that we had in common and that was kind of exciting for me
0: Yeah, I know that in my experience that, um, how did you put it? You mentioned something about making you look in an area you weren't prepared to look at. Yeah. Um, That that was kind of a a reframe there. But Mm. I know that um, one of the things that happens for me is having what I would call the piercing dialogue. Mm. That does make me rethink,
1: Mm. you know,
0: a position. And I know I used to think when I was at work that I could be, quote, very opinionated about things. Uh But if I had a conversation with somebody that showed me the other side of it, I could change on a dime, I used to say. You know, I could just change my point of view um, if somebody presented it, uh, what I would consider a logical explanation for their point of view. And broaden my perspective, I really appreciated that. And yeah, I don't know if you've had similar experiences yet or not. You know, like that.
1: Yeah, I, I I do really, um, really appreciate when people share different experiences with me. And I I kind of have the same thing where I can like switch on a dime. Um, Like, oh, okay, I see that. Like, I'm, I'm I'm not too stubborn in my ways, but I'm definitely, but I definitely like to get along with everybody. And it does like, and it does make me nervous to think like, oh, maybe I'm offending people. Like, I, I, like, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe this upsets somebody, you know, because I like to make people feel good. I don't want to, I don't want to upset them, you know?
0: you just brought up something that I find kind of interesting for our times right now. It seems like it's, it's easy to offend people. And, (laughs) (laughs) and and a lot of times, I mean, it's not that I'm deliberately going out and offending people. It's just that. um, My perspective offends Mm. people, you know, in that particular situation. Yeah. Do you find that that's one of the, let's call it key issues that your generation faces these days? Is like how do you have a meaningful conversation quote without offending people that quote.
1: Yeah, I I yes, I do agree with that. Yeah, I think that is definitely one of the one of the biggest challenges we're facing right now is is. Um, <laughs> it um um. Republicans will talk about like PC culture, and they'll be like, "Ugh, everybody's so PC these days." And sometimes I'll be like, "Okay, coming from you, that annoys me." But then I'll be like, "Yeah, PC culture is annoying. Like, like everybody's like, you, like you can't have um, it." Well, and let me be careful not to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can be hard to have a dissenting opinion sometimes, and um, and to. Uh, and it's difficult when you haven't had um certain life experiences where, like you said, you do have you like your perspective is just different, and that offends people. Um, that's that's difficult when you're not looking to offend people, and it's also difficult when, um, when when somebody getting offended, um, when 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 being offended is the end of a conversation. And like when you're like, okay, we're shutting it down right now. I can't even talk to you. Um I I th- yeah, I I so I yeah, I do agree. And I think and I think in order to move past that, we have to we have to be able to sit in the discomfort of being offended or accidentally offending somebody else. Um and we have to we have to be willing to to be curious and patient um when we're like trying to figure out how somebody else feels um and and that kind of goes back to empathy is I think a lot of times people just like people don't even am I allowed to swear on this podcast
0: (laughs) put a note in there heavy swearing
1: no people people will say like frick you why would I want to get to know your opinion you know Mm. um and that's I mean and then how are we supposed to move forward from there and I've said, I mean, and acknowledging that I say that all the time. So still, of course, something that I can improve on, but, um, but something that I still definitely recognize, like, huh, okay. I do need to, I do need to get better about that.
0: So how, how would you go about, <clears throat> um, you know, for you personally, so yeah. you, you ended the conversation where, you know, somebody just like, you know, totally shut down, you know, yeah. the conversation, what would you do with that? Would you just let it sit and rest? would you try to pursue um at a later date to open the doors again um what do you find would be like a typical reaction not only for you but if things that you've observed in others in um your life your sphere
1: yeah like if like if i'm trying if i want to have a conversation with somebody but they've shut down because they they're offended
0: yeah yeah what would you do Hmm. they shut the conversation down completely
1: yeah, mm. I would say, uh I guess, I guess I would, I would probably depend on the situation. I think, I think in some situations, I would, I would probably ask the person like, what did I say that offended you? Or like, I'm sorry that I offended you. Like what, like, where, uh, what where are you feeling right now? Or like, where did you, where are you coming from? Um, or if, if I felt like it's, it's not going to help if I try to connect with them right now, then I would probably just give them space and come back another day. Um, but I feel like, uh, but my thinking is that it would be easier to get to the other side of it while you're there instead of like having to bring it up again later. That sounds more challenging to me, um, to bring Mm. that up again, especially if you know, it's like kind of triggering for somebody it's like, okay, well, I know that you're not going to like this, but let's talk about it. You know, like, I feel like it's probably easier to get through that in the middle of somebody's upset
0: do you find in your sphere of people that you know relationships that you have that people are more reactive and because of their reactiveness does that engender any fear about being able to speak freely
1: Mm. yeah i think it does yeah yeah i i would say um there are certain people in my sphere that are um less reactive. And there are certain people who are more reactive. Um, and yeah, definitely those who are more reactive. I'm, I'm totally afraid to say some things like I, I don't want to set you off, right? Or, um, or I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And um, lots of the time, I mean, lots of the time, they're reactive to other people there. I, I, I'm not reacted to that much, because I'm pretty careful. And because I as if I if I can tell, then I'm pretty good at tiptoeing if I need to um because i i don't love conflict um but yeah i've but like if i if i have friends who are like reacting to other people a lot i'm like okay now i know what i can't say around you (laughs) noted for later (laughs) you know um but i I, but i i feel but i feel like being honest in those situations maybe or or, i i i think i don't i don't really want to let that limit my honesty or my self-expression I want to be able to express myself um honestly with all my friends even if it might set them off a little bit but that's hard to do yeah. but yeah I do think that
0: yeah that fits back in being unapologetically you know authentic too
1: Absolutely, you know, it's like
0: being yeah. able to go oh well man I'm totally triggered and
1: <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> absolutely yeah
0: <laughs> so so how do you f- see your purpose you know at this time you know to bring empathy and hope mm. how do you see you living into that as you go forward especially mm. in your you know chosen studies
1: yeah i think um i think a big part of how i'm trying to spread empathy right now is um is um work i do on instagram um i I repost a lot of stories of stuff that I'm learning about and I'll share videos and articles of, of what I'm learning about the world and in order to, and I'll share my thoughts on them if I feel like I have a place to speak or if it's, or if I have valid thoughts on it, um, to try to expose people to the stuff that I'm being exposed to in case it's, in case they wouldn't have been exposed to it otherwise. Um, and, And so that's, that's one way that I'm trying to expand empathy a little bit and, and from from my posting on instagram i have had a couple of really amazing conversations with people so that's kind of how i how i feel it's working is like even if i can like get even if one person like opens up to me or like or like wants to talk to me about something that i'm interested in that's really exciting to me um and and, and i think another way i'm trying to expand my empathy in both directions like the empathy i give and the empathy i get is is trying to be honest about my struggles and um and i think i think talking about the things that are challenging for me helps me um find other people who are feeling the same way and helps me feel less lonely and helps them feel less lonely and um so i'm definitely trying to be honest with others even those i don't know too well about about um my struggles and and it's sort of difficult for me to do that in the moment it's a lot easier for me to do that after the fact um but I'm getting more comfortable with being but like we've been talking about being myself unapologetically and and letting people in to see all of who I am that's definitely something that's
0: do you feel like in in your peers in particular that you're an inspirational force for them
1: I would say so. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I actually, I do have a, um, a uh, most inspirational member of my choir plaque on my wall right now. So I would like to think so.
0: If you'd like to think so. Yeah.
1: I'd so, like. To-
0: yeah. One of the things that I'm hearing from you too, Tyler, is the opportunity to share knowledge and yeah. that if people, you know, so much fear comes from not knowing, and yeah. from my perspective. And that by sharing the knowledge and what you're learning and sharing also, um, you know, what's going on with you, that I think that that influences mm. and provides people with the education so they can start to, I'm going to say, normalize it using a yeah. term that nothing is normal. But, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, yes. You know. <laughs> But you know, it helps to normalize it if we have an understanding. Because you know, it's going back to way back in history, like all of the things that it became a god because you didn't know what it was, and yeah. then suddenly, you know, man discovers fire, and yeah. it discovers that they can have control over fire, and now it's not a god. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of like for me, it, that's the way I see it. How do you experience it?
1: mm um, yeah, I, I, um, I really like how you, how, how you framed that, that, um, that education sort of takes away some of that fear. And I, I think, I think I, I agree with you. Absolutely. And I think that's what I try to do is, um, real it is in trying to educate myself and educate others is to show people like you have nothing to be afraid of, um, except for the people who are trying to take, take your privileges away and, um, the people who are trying to make it so that you're not educated. Like you, I mean, I I like how you said normalize it. it, I am trying to absolutely like normalize some experiences for people. And, um, I know, I know in like around the second wave of feminism the sixties and seventies, there was lots of, there was lots of organizing in, um, and what was called consciousness raising where people would just share their experiences with each other to see like oh yeah we're like we're all going through this i'm not alone in this experience um and uh i might be straying away from your question but when you were talking about um when but when you're talking about uh quote unquote normalizing something when we were talking about how nothing is normal i feel like i feel like the only um i feel like the only normal that we have is um is that we're always changing and everybody's different um if that does that sort of well if that sort of makes sense i feel like i feel like the only thing that never changes that is that things are always changing and i think that and i think the only normal is that we all have our differences so
0: what i'm hearing is the only thing that's normal is how things are unnormal
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, one of the things, too, that you're working on with your purpose mm-hmm. is not only holding the energy of empathy, mm. but also holding the energy of education so people can have greater empathy.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So
0: what, one of the things that I'm aware of, too, is the fact that um, you wanted to start a group. Mm-hmm. Of you know like-minded individuals, do you want to talk about that? What it is that you're hoping to create?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Um, something that I'm working on with my dad right now um, is to create a group for people who don't really know their direction yet in college. Um, college is can be very overwhelming when there's so much pressure to figure out what you want to do and figure out like who you are um and you're paying to figure this out and there's a time crunch you got 4 years to figure it out and then you're going and you got to make so much money um so yeah there's lots of pressure to figure everything out at this age when really I don't think I don't think we ever figure everything out I think we figure a little bit more out as we go but we'll never have everything figured out um but my goal with this group is to help people figure themselves out a little bit um, and have some tools to be able to explore their interests and to take care of themselves, whether that's edu- in their education or financially, um, so that they have a little bit more structure and they can always have this um, this. North star to follow and what, and trying to figure life out. And I know who I am.
0: Do you feel it in, especially in your age group that people, <clears throat> right. Let me backtrack here for a moment. Mm-hmm. I know from my own personal experience, the idea of having quote a purpose in life mm-hmm. wasn't something that seated itself until much later in my life. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, you know, here you are 19 years old and mm-hmm. you have a direction of where you're headed. Do you find that people in your generation have a greater sense of who they are already? Or do you find that they have a greater sense of still trying to figure it out? You mm. just talked about, you know, figuring it out. Mm. But what do you notice about, you know, people in your generation in particular?
1: Mm. I noticed that people in my generation um, are figuring themselves out younger and younger i feel like i and um part of that is standing on the shoulders of everybody that has come before us to give us the language to understand ourselves a little bit better um and simultaneously i feel like my generation feels um lots of pressure to make something of themselves and to um to be successful and fix lots of broken systems and broken structures and um And in that sense, there's, um, there's a total fear. There, there's. It feels like we haven't figured lots of stuff out. Like, like perhaps, perhaps we're getting to know ourselves, and we're better at knowing who we are at a younger age. Um, but I think, um, but I think one of my big struggles has been like, is has been giving that direction. Like, what, what do I do with all this? Even if I, even if I'm confident in who I am, what do I do?
0: even ask that question now yeah wow.
1: yeah absolutely even even if i know who i am i do <laughs> I, I think i think yep. you keep following your intuition you trust yourself um seize the opportunities that present themselves to you and like notice what feels good and what doesn't and follow that thing that feels good that's that's really how i decided my major was i i I mean, I've never known what I wanted to do professionally, but I knew that gender, women's and sexuality studies opened my eyes to a whole new world and was really exciting for me. So, I mean, three, three weeks into the intro course I was taking, I was like, boom, declared this is, this is super fascinating to me. And I've been listening to my intuition more and more and overcoming my fears. And now I have the desire to be a counselor and, and work with, work with young people or people in need um just to understand their world and get the help that they need and um that's come from and because I know myself that's come from listening for the things that feel good and the f- things that don't feel good um and being able to appreciate the contrast of things that don't feel good and following the things that do feel good and like trusting that that I'm going to be okay if I go in that direction which um I'm which also, I'm just super grateful to have so many support systems in my life that are like, yeah, you go follow that and, and be yourself and do what you want. And we love you. Like, I'm, I feel very, very grateful for all the people who like encourage me to, to chase that.
0: Yeah, you brought up, it. it's like what lead the foundation for you to pursue life based on what feels good to you versus mm-hmm. what doesn't feel good to you and using your intuition. Mm -hmm. and then a follow-up question that i would have on that is do you feel that you have a good relationship with what some people call a higher power or your higher self or you know your source energy yeah um and has that played into laying the foundation for you
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so um laying the foundation of what feels good to me and what doesn't feel good to me. Um, my parents taught me growing up that um, that we're just like exploring contrast. And if you don't like something, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's actually a really good thing because now you know that you don't like it. Um, and and oftentimes, I mean, of course we want to feel good. So of course we want to gravitate towards things that, that do feel good. Um, but I've, especially as I've gotten older, I've learned that I... I don't want a fear of something feeling bad to to scare me away from something. Like I I want to I want to experience things even if there's the potential that I'll feel bad because there's also the potential that I'll feel good. And if I feel bad, whatever. Now I know that I don't like that and that's pretty awesome. Um and I think and going to your second question, I think that definitely ties into my relationship with a higher self, my higher self. Um I wasn't raised religious, so I I wouldn't say I necessarily believe in like God, but I I believe in some, some other spiritual realm. And, and I, and I think I've in the last two, two, one and a half, two years, I've been tuning into that a lot um, as I've come to accept myself and, and I've really, and I've tried really hard to listen to what that, what that higher self is trying to tell me. And that is really helpful in what, and finding out what feels good and what doesn't it's like a feeling that comes over you when something feels good you know like yeah like your heart starts racing and like you feel elated like like this is a really good feeling even if you're even if you're like learning about like something terrible but it's like oh I feel really passionate about this like that's that's your higher self telling you like there's something there's something there and there's something that that um that you'd be that 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 is important to you somehow in that and you can make a difference in that area or or do something with that um so yeah the tuning into my higher self has definitely has definitely helped me figure that out a little bit
0: I know like uh for myself you know looking you know you're using the word intuition you mm-hmm. know at an early age I mean for me I didn't realize that I had an intuitive inclination in myself until my 40s hmm and then it was like, oh, what do you know? I think I'm intuitive. There's <laughs> a yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> Tyler, if people wanted to, you know, reach out to you, what hmm. would be a good way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, my, I could give them my email and I could give them my Instagram if they're curious about okay. learning what I'm posting there. Uh, my email is um tboyangel2.0 at gmail.com that's t-b-o-y-a-n-g-e-l-l-2.0 at gmail.com and my instagram username is uh oh yeah it's uh the real tyler angel um all smushed together and no capitalization um and that's because uh <laughs> that's a, that's actually a funny story that's because um a little my, my old username used to be xx Tyler Angel xx and, but then um one of my friends messaged me one day and was like hey i got um my instagram account got like or hey i really need help can you give me the login info to your instagram account and i was like oh my gosh of course i want to help you yes i'll do that and then um or, or they were like Oh my gosh, I really need your help. Can you put my information into your Instagram account and then I'll give it right back? And I was like, of course I will. Um, because I was very naive. And then they stole my Instagram account. And I was like, oh shoot, I think I I think I just got hacked, but not even like clever, not even like impressively hacked. I just gave them my information.
0: <laughs>
1: myself. I know I hacked myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah but so, on instagram uh the real tyler angel i and i believe my account is public um but if not then i would be very happy to confirm a follow request
0: okay uh great so is there any parting wisdom that you'd like to share with people before we end the call today
1: mm. um i would just love to say that i'm proud of you and he being awesome and listening for what feels good and what doesn't feel good and know that nothing is wrong. Like it's okay. If something feels shitty, lots of things feel shitty and that's just, that's just a part of life. Um, And you're not wrong for not liking something or for exploring contrast. Um, So you're awesome and keep going.
0: Great. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much, VV.
0: Alrighty.